This is Coda Radio, episode 138 for January 26, 2015. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. Tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host, snowed in on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello, Chris. Hey, so are you getting some snow? Yeah, we're getting some snow. Now, it's not, not accumulating a lot, but by me, they're saying we could have up to three feet. Wow. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, when we do Coda Radio, it's like when the weather fronts are beginning for you. You know, like hurricanes and <laughs> snowstorms. Oh. <laughs> so it's like we get you just at the beginning right here on Coda Radio. Well, it's, uh, I won't tell you how freaking gorgeous it is in Washington State. We're having a beautiful, like, 55 sunny blue sky day over here. And uh, I'm I'm excited to be with you today. Today's my birthday, so every, happy birthday! Thank you. And so you know what I said I want to do for my birthday? I said I want to I want to do Coda Radio with Michael Dominic. That's what I said when I woke up this morning. I yeah, that's what everyone wants to do on their birthday. Obviously, so I'm pretty excited to be here. I think it's going to be a good week. And a little birdie. Hold on, this just came in. This came in from a little birdie. Uh, Mike wants to do a tip show today. It says. Yeah, it's just a, a nice little tip show, you know. Uh, one tip, you know, Chris could probably give you live another year, don't die. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. Hey, I got experience with it, everybody. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm looking forward to tips. I think that's great. Uh, we do have some emails, and we've done some. We've done a little mix and match. We've done summations, and we've also we've pulled a few to read in full. Uh, so last week we talked a lot about the obvious gaps in monetizing apps for independent developers on iOS versus Android. And we got a lot of people that wrote in in defense of Android. Uh, uh yes. And I thought maybe let's read Simon. Simon wrote in here, um... He said, hi, Chris. Hi, Michael. Love the show. Just wanted to add a point to the discussion about monetizing of Android apps. Android has made its market share as a second mover and mostly outside the U.S., especially in the beginning. So you have to take several things into account. People from the U.S. generally consume and adopt more things faster than people from Europe. Oh, really? Uh, iOS users are used to paying for apps since the beginning, while Android finally has some usable devices and apps have made sense. uh, And now they're welcome to the market, but it's Already there with plenty of apps, of course. People in Europe do not use credit cards as much as people in the U.S. do. This, this is according to him. Uh, the texting in Europe is much smaller, so everything software is seen as from the U.S. And finally, I want to mention that iTunes and Spotify, who got their users to pay for something, which is the time already considered commoditized, the market moves incredibly fast. In a few years, we might already laugh at about the times that Android users did not pay for apps. Keep up the great work. Don't forget to... He says, forget about Ruby, by the way. It's just Rails. Python is the way to go. Oh, he had to slip that in there. So what do you think about this, Mike? This is some pretty big assumptions. Software is just considered as a thing from the U.S. in Europe. Uh, People don't pay for software. This isn't resonating with me. Yeah, so... I'm not sure I understand what that would mean, right? So if you're saying people in Europe don't pay for software as much as people in the U.S., one, I don't know if that's really true, but 
all you've then proven is that targeting Europe is not a good idea, <laughs> right? So all, all you've managed to convince me of is, oh, great. So let's let's just keep it, you know, U.S. English only. Yeah, it's not a that. good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, certainly, you could say that maybe brands like different apps, different app brands are more popular in Europe than here. Um, that may or may not be true. Okay. Yeah, it, it seems like it. I mean, the credit card thing actually is a fair point, right? In markets where people don't carry credit cards or don't generally have credit cards, yeah, that's a big, big deal for this sort of thing, right? Because everything's a credit card. Um, But even then, there's PayPal, there's Google Wallet, right? So at some point, gee, I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't buy it. It just doesn't seem like the obvious answer. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it seems too easy, too generalized. Uh, but it's it's food for thoughts. So maybe people can bounce off that. Uh, and then we had a lot of people that said, you know, uh, in regards to me considering picking up a, a programming language, still a lot of advocates writing in for Python. I think that's the number one response I'm seeing across. Also, people that from the Linux Action Show group who came over and watched the, the, this couple of episodes have said, oh yeah, no, 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 go go with Python. Uh, but Darren. Wrote in with the email that's, that struck a note with me. He says, you're doing it all wrong, Chris. He says, find a project or a task you want to achieve. For example, automating markdown files into web posts. Find a set of tools that are capable of completing that single manageable project. Find a support system that will help you. Mature documentation, fellow participants, a coach or a guide. Uh, pick a tool that fits the best for the above. And then start. If you find Python or Ruby or Erlang or even BrainFuck, for that matter, does the job, start there. Put on your big boy pants and stop wondering about the rightness because you'll learn another language and different tools later on. And that is the point right there thing that I wanted to I wanted to agree with that. Some moron on the internet will say you did the wrong thing and you won't know enough if you say otherwise. Grab those big boy pants around the waistband, pull them up, and grow some stones and start getting into it. Remember, you're going to break stuff and you're going to fail and you won't know why. The key is to have a goal you want to achieve and support to get there. Frustration management is huge. You're going to blow a gasket, pound the keyboard, and fail. Get over it. There's no debating over which language. There's only uh, uh, there's only to do and not to do. Oh, it's, it's almost kind of poetic. Get your ass out of uh, Dagobah and stop your Luke wine and announce to the project and language on the show. Oh, there you go. He says, he's calling me out, Darren. I like that. I think that's pretty great. So I've come to a decision, Mr. Dominic. Let's hear it. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you up front, uh, it got a lot easier all of a sudden. Now, I was already leading a certain way, uh, but then, then like IPython came along and I started looking at, you know, I mean, really I'm going to be working on Linux. I'm going to be writing for Linux. Python's really well supported there. So I kind of started to make the decision to switch to Python. Mm-hmm. But I was starting to wonder about it a little bit and something changed my mind. And that is our first sponsor, Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And guess what Linux Academy is rolling out? Rolling out a whole set of courseware on Ruby. On Ruby on Linux. Yes. Right? And then when I heard about that, and I thought, oh, geez, if that's not a sign, if that's not a sign, so, and now it's, that's a slam dunk. And what Darren pointed out is, uh, I, I could just go to something else too. Linux Academy also has, courseware on python <laughs> so you know like i could just go do that later too and the reason why uh the so the, and the final thing for ruby was it was like well you know we already have stuff in place at jupiter broadcasting that's written in ruby 
So that kind of seems like a good place to start. Uh, but second of all, when they when when Linux Academy, I'm like now I know now I kind of feel like I have a good path to follow. Like Linux Academy, I have a, I have a lot of faith in their courseware. So that's the way I'm going to go. So I'm going to go with Ruby and I'm going to take this course over at Linux Academy. You can get started too. LinuxAcademy.com/coders. They have downloadable comprehensive study guides. They just crossed a million video streams, which is super impressive. Uh, that's really – it's amazing. And they are working on incredible features. They, they say their biggest stuff yet is still to come, which is incredible at the, at the rate that they're going. They've got learning plans where you can set your av- available amount of time, and then they'll automatically generate courseware for you with reminders about quizzes. I really think that's a great way to go if you're kind of time-constrained, but you, you're frustrated that you haven't been moving the ball forward. This is a way that sort of allows you to strike that balance, and you can adjust it as things need. And it's sort of also guilt-free. The other thing that's really great is they have that community aspect that's really vibrant and growing. And a lot of your form, a lot of your, um, not former, current, uh, existing Jupiter Broadcasting audience members, you know, people that also watch other JB shows are at Linux Academy in that community. So it's it's really sort of a, a little bit extra special for Jupiter Broadcasting folks because a lot of you probably already know each other and just don't realize it. Uh, so Linux Academy has got a great active community that kind of gives you that bump when you're kind of bottoming out a little bit. They let you plus, uh, check from uh, 7 plus Linux distributions, and then the courseware will automatically adjust to that distro, and including the labware, because the stuff, you're, you're going to get your hands on this technology. And so they have this super cool virtualization backend infrastructure that's capable of spinning up VMs on different VM environments, depending on the courseware, or even AWS, depending on the courseware. So they've made this really st- sweet management system. And for you, you just say, okay, I want, I want, I'm taking this course and I've chosen this distribution and it will build out the server if it's CentOS or Ubuntu or Fedora or, I mean, it's, they got, they got a ton of distros you can choose from. So you just go crazy. Debian, probably, because that's how you roll. And then all the courseware matches that. And the virtual machine matches that. You get an SSH login so you can log in from a terminal at your desk so you get a nice, great connection. It's really a cool system. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go get the coder radio discount to get started there. That way, you get a little bit off, and you're really going to get value out of Linux Academy. Tons of great stuff, including Android development, OpenStack, Python, DevOps, the whole Red Hat suite of stuff, all the AWS stuff, constantly improving on their Docker documentation and courseware. Really good stuff. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And you can check out that new Ruby course. I will be. Let me know what you think. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. So yeah, I am I am now officially getting off the pot and I'm going to make my decision. And what I'm going to be creating now is not, I'm not fully I haven't fully decided how much I want to automate, but what I want to kind of what I want to create a, try to do is create a system that reduces my prep time for all the shows. Because it's something probably the audience doesn't have a lot of insight into, but uh, you know, each show has a set amount of prep work. Depending on the show, it's sometimes like days of prep work. Uh, and, and some shows like Unfilter, it's, I literally prep for an episode of Unfilter every single day of the week. I spend a little bit of time working on Unfilter every day. Uh, and sometimes it's super late at night. Sometimes it's super early in the morning. It's just all over the place. And I need to be able to, okay, I've got 10 minutes. I need to be able to process something for this show. Maybe it's notes. Maybe it's an image. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's just a snippet of a story. Maybe it's a clip. And I want to create a, a system that will help me better manage all of this. And so what happens now is I capture something, but I capture it in a very rough state, a state that's totally not ready to be used in show notes, not ready for show research. It's just I need to save this somewhere. I'm going to capture this, stash it, and then go back to it when it's time for me to sit down and work on the show. And I know I, so I still have a bunch of work to do with this piece of information or clip or whatever it is. I want to create a system that when I capture that information and I 
I bring it in. I can sort of do more processing all the time. Maybe that's convert HTML to Markdown and you know pull down an image for it and upload that image to Imager and then embed that image into the block of notes so that way and save that all out to a text file as Markdown. And then I can just go grab that when I'm prepping for a show, save it to my own cloud folder, something like that. So that's what I'm going to be working on once I get my head on my ass and actually start learning. Uh, okay, we got uh, two more emails, Mr. Dominic. Are you good? I didn't lose you, right? You're still with me and you're okay? Oh, I'm for... still here. I'm okay. still here. All right. Uh, so, oh, just one more email. I'm sorry because I had uh, Darren's email still open. Oh, and this is a great one. And it's something we're going to spend more time on soon once things settle down. But the Open Your Mouth uh, site is still awesome. People are still submitting recipes. And uh, Failure over on the Coda Radio subreddit submitted another web interface for the open source recipes at openyourmouth.recipes that the community has been working on. And this is a really, really nice-looking UI that he's created for it. Uh, Here's what he did, Mike. Check this out. Uh, I love the description, too. Uh, He says, uh, I adapted a heavily modified Markdown static site generator called Lanyon, written in Go, and made it compatible with directory lists. I also spritzed it up with a new template using Vanilla Bootstrap 3 to make it easier to theme. It's standalone, works great behind a CDN if desired, supports less for CSS, uh, it doesn't require Apache or any modules. No dependencies. Go binaries are statically linked and self-contained. Just modify the configuration as desired and run. Since it defaults to unprivileged ports, you don't need to run as root. Uh, if you have Nginx or Apache, you can use them as a reverse proxy and expose it to port 80. Isn't that neat? That is really neat. <laughs> It's a really great-looking interface to the open-source recipe project that we have working on. So uh, we're going we're gonna to probably feature it in an upcoming uh, – we're going to do, like, a whole show on it, like an upcoming faux show or something, I think. But it's really neat to see uh, – I it was a total, like – could the would, would something that's not code but still is – it's open, it's, you're contributing, you're working on it together. So you've had people that have – contribute recipes, people that then modified those recipes, and now people that are creating interfaces for those recipes. So, like, if you're in the kitchen on a tablet or something, it's easy to to, uh, to uh, navigate. It's, just, it's so cool just to see something fun like just fun, something fun like that uh, take off. So, openyourmouth.recipes if you want to uh, check, check it out. Check, check it out. And don't forget about our subreddit either. Uh, coderadio.reddit.com. It goes up, it ebbs and flows in activity, and it's ebbing right now. So go over there and make it flow. Especially if your name is Ant. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Coderadio.reddit.com. Go check it out. There's a lot of the good stories in there, too, that even if we don't fit them in this show, you can still get in there. Like, uh, there's a story I've been watching about the Android SDK uh, emulator now uses KVM for the x86 uh, Android emulator. And I'm thinking to myself, that might be particularly interesting. So there's all kinds of stories that don't always make it in the show over there. And feedback, too. Uh, like, there's a great uh, discussion right now on a way to choose the best language. And uh, finding a U.S.-based Linux development firm. Mike, you don't know anything about that, do you? Uh, no, I don't, actually. A Linux development firm? No. Oh. No. In the U.S.? Nope. Huh. I wonder. Yeah, I actually got a request from that guy. It, and I did some looking on my own. It's it's not a very, um, very well-served market. Well, uh, you should plug Fingertip right now. Why don't you? Yeah, so you could... Uh, Give my consulting firm a call, or Fingertip Tech. We do Android and iOS. Sadly, we do not offer Linux development at the moment. Yeah, go screw yourself, Linux users. Uh, well, you know, they're communists. Yeah, so... yeah. And they don't pay for anything, I'm told. I, In fact, I heard that they're like uh, something about a cancer. Mm-hmm. I, Uncle mm-hmm. Steve used to tell me. Uh, but it's a cancer you love now. Okay. Well, that's what uh, That's what Uncle Sache tells you. Well, I, I named it, yeah. So I named the tumor. I, <laughs> I, call, I call it uh, Richard. 
it's it's an interesting time. Oh, that's Richard, huh? That's interesting, huh? I wonder where you. Uh, yeah, I don't. Know, I don't know where I came up with that. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. It's negative in the freedom. Oh. Dimension. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so we have a tip episode to get into. And you know, since I know you hate Linux so much, I've got a tip for you. It's Windows 10. No, I'm kidding. Uh, do you want to hear my... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. Oh, yeah, you could go ahead. I, I was wondering, because I saw your doc and I added some stuff to it. I'm like, really? Nothing for Windows 10? He's got to have like... Oh, I do. At least five minutes of pure vitriol. I do. I do. So, like, go ahead. Really? You want to hear it? Yeah. I was just... Okay. Nothing would please me more. I think it's a gimmick OS. I think it's a gimmick OS to impress the tech press because this is what happens to Microsoft. If they don't buy off the tech press, then it, you see, here's what people think. They think, oh, the tech community is a bubble. It's small. It doesn't impact uh, mom and pop kettle in the flyover states that are buying Windows PCs. Wrong. What it does is the tech press sets the tone for what everybody talks, all of the talking points that people repeat about something, all of the things that people say about Vista and Windows 8 get established early on by the tech press. Well, guess what? The tech press is slobbering all over absolutely ridiculous gimmicky features. Cortana built into the start menu. What is this, active desktop again? And we're building Internet Explorer into things, so we have to have a huge-ass search bar in the start menu. We finally get the freaking start menu back, and they put a huge bar in there. It's ridiculous. Cortana's a joke. It's like Clippy, only it's it's 2015's version of Clippy. And the tech press is all excited. Meanwhile, they're all sitting there writing on their MacBooks. They're all sitting there taking notes on their MacBooks. You've seen the pictures online from the conference. They all had MacBooks. But they're talking about how it's so amazing. The virtual desktops. A tiny, 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 tiny percentage of Windows users are going to use virtual desktops. But the tech press, they love that shit. They're eating it up, right? So they're writing about how incredibly great it is that they're focusing on the power user because Microsoft's finally added virtual desktops. They've been around for 17 years on X-Windows systems. But it's amazing now. And so, again, it writes into this masturbatory press writing for Microsoft that builds up this hype for a release that's just going to be another version of Windows. Well, then. Uh, all right, so what did you like? I mean, you know, it looks like a decent version of Windows for, you know, you know, I. So, so, so this McDonald's hamburger is good for a McDonald's hamburger, basically? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Nothing? Like, there, there is no silver lining for you. Well, uh, I mean, what would it be? Like, give me an example of, of it. Give me an example. I'm trying to think of something. Like, the most exciting thing they've talked about recently is their HoloLens stuff, which I'm kind of skeptical if it'll actually make it to market. So the universal apps thing could actually make developing for Windows Phone and WinRT a not insane profit loss. Uh, I'm sorry. Activity. Is this is this 2008 again? I'm sorry. Is, are oh. you talking about Windows 8? I'm sorry. Oh. That was the oh. same. That was the word for word conversation we were having before Windows 8 shipped. Word for word. Only we use the word metro a little more back then. Oh, but don't because the Germans were open that. Uh, and I, I agree. If you know, if Microsoft could have a universal app that worked on phones, tablets, desktops, and holographic lenses, that'd be pretty damn impressive. And nobody, literally nobody in the industry, is in a better position to pull it off. They've got the Connect background. They've got all the entertainment stuff with the Xbox. They've got all the uh, content uh, deals with. Hollywood and the music industry to be able to deliver content. They've got in-place music and app stores ready to go. They've got Skype ready to go. They've got one of the best mail platforms, well, one of the most commonly used mail platforms in the world, all ready to be integrated. They've got OneDrive, Office Online, all of this stuff is perfect to work all together in one beautiful integrated thing where it all works flawlessly and apps work across all of the devices. 
But the thing is, Mike, this isn't like the first time Microsoft's ever been in this position. This isn't like the second time Microsoft. This is like the third time Microsoft has had all of the planets aligned. And but only hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Don't you know that Sacha is a magical wizard? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were still all obsessed over Marissa Meyer. But I guess now Marissa Meyer isn't so shiny anymore. Now we're starting to talk about how Yahoo hasn't changed at all. So do I just have to wait two years until we're talking like about that about Nasacha? I mean, I'm just wondering when the hype train ends and we realize he's just a person at the top of a 50,000-person uh, company. Oh, I mean, it's true, right? So that, that that's kind of been the the little issue I've had with this whole, like, all the coverage of this. And this is amazing. Satya Nadella is a hero. There is no way this shit just happened. Right. right? You, you get, <laughs> when you get, when you do a big new CEO swip out, a swap out and you do it right on some of these companies, like Apple's kind of an exception because Steve Jobs was an exception. But, well, like, look at just Yahoo, and if you look at before Yahoo, you look at HP. All you have to do is just have a little bit of a memory on this stuff. The way – what happens is the first year to two years are the dream period for the new CEO, where all of the good stuff is the new CEO's hand at work, and all of the bad stuff was changes from the old regime. And the new CEO, they, it's a great time for them to come out and set vision and the press to write very positively about it. And if you use it correctly, it's a very effective time as a new CEO. But eventually, it begins to turn. When nothing really changes after a while, it begins to change. And you're starting to watch it right now with Marissa Meyer. Over the weekend, there was two different pieces that ran defending Marissa Meyer. Well, when did she need to be defended? When did all of a sudden we switch to defending her? But it's happened. Same thing will happen with Sache. So what happens with Windows right now is Microsoft at their best when they're responding from an actual legitimate competitive standpoint, something they haven't had to do for a long time, which is why I think it's going to be one of the best releases of Windows ever. But it's still Windows. Wow. Well, just uh, back to the point about Marissa Mayer, because I think that's really, really good. The one issue I think the text press has, and obviously they're all very smart people, so it's not that they really don't know this, but in their writing and their blogging and their podcasting, they don't acknowledge that things take time. And that time scale is measured in years, right? right? Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. They'll not, write about stuff. They'll write about like business acquisitions, like they happen over a three day period and stuff. It's just so impractical, right? It's, it took like two quarters to even get the guy to go to the dinner to talk about it, right? Like, right. You know, so their defense of Marissa Mayer is she hasn't had time, right? Which I think is fair. She hasn't been there very long, right? I mean, to, and Yahoo's a big ass ship. It's going to take a long time to turn it. But that also undercuts their praise of Satya Nadella because, yeah, I mean, yeah, he can do some things, but he can't, you know, let's look at Holo, right? The, uh, the if you guys don't know, it's that crazy virtual reality thing. Or, yeah. yeah. Augmented reality is probably more accurate. I think it, I think it's a perfect demonstration of, of Microsoft and Google where uh, Google Glass is neat. Holo, though, it has so much more, not to be punny, but so much more vision. Hollow right. is such a better product. Hollow is is like here's the thing, right? I'll make my point, but first let me just digress. Google Glass, I knew what the value proposition to Google was. Yeah, they were going to get a bunch of data out of me, but I didn't yeah. really understand why I would. Yeah. I could take really creepy yeah. pictures of yeah. Chris in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Right. Um, Holo, I get it. Like I can think of ton. And yeah. their tech demo. Oh if, yeah. If I get it. Up yes. To even half oh, yeah. of their demo, yeah. that's a game changer. You just nailed it. That's exactly what it is. I could right. never quite pin it down for Google Glass for me, but I can see hundreds of possibilities with HoloLenses. Just right here, I could use it just to help supplement the work I'm doing right now. 
Right. I mean, I could just think of like writing a little a little application that's just and, like a usage dashboard. This is where doing... I go back. They have Cortana. They have Skype. Yeah. They have music stores. They have all of this stuff that could be integrated if they could pull it off. Yes, but they see the thing is they have Skype, but then they have Link, right? They have Office three six five. Then they have Office three six five for business, which is yep. weirdly different, right? Because that's actually SharePoint under the covers. But Office 365 Consumer is the true Gmail, Google Apps competitor. Um, you know, not, not to get too far in the weeds, but let's say you buy Office 365 from GoDaddy. You're actually getting the SharePoint version. You're not getting what you would get at the Microsoft Store. Right. Which doesn't look like it matters until you want to download the apps from, like, the App Store and play with it, right? Then all of a sudden, it's a special login. It's a, it, it's a whole little process. Um, but anyway, my point is... You know, Nadella isn't doing a bad job, in my opinion, but because he doesn't have time to, right? He would have to do radically crazy things to be doing a bad job. Let's see if he tries to buy a Nokia like Balmer did on his way out. Right. He all honestly, he he. I mean, certainly his leadership, his attitude of being more open towards open source, it's definitely helping. Yeah. Yep. But you know, all these products that they just announced, all these new services, all these. You know, even Visual Studio 2015, right, had to be started under Balmer. Like, these are all Balmer's initiatives that, you know, the board just didn't give him time to announce. Think about this. If Balmer was still around, right, and it was just still rumors about them getting rid of him, and this presentation happened, right? I think he would have been saved. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like the, the research and development department that came up with this uh, started the day after Sache started, right? They've been working for years. Right, like so he didn't. Sacha didn't buy a right. and D company and just slap Windows logos on everything and say, "Hey, here's right. stuff." You know, if Balmer was there, well, Windows 10 and this were. I mean, you're right. People would be saying it would be a different tone, and you I'll could see it, it all. You could see it all happening under Balmer. I'll even fry the bacon a little further. <laughs> Balmer got axed less by the board and more by the tech press. Yeah. How many articles before Balmer got the axe was it? Time for a change. We need. And even like the subtle ageism, maybe perhaps a younger man. Yeah, right? it, was, it was a steady drumbeat. Right. The poor guy can't. I don't know. I, I mean, we're, we're way off track here, but it's just funny how like certain tech outlets love to play this game of it could change any day. Mm-hmm. Not It could change any year, kind of. You know, but no, I mean, I, I have an iPhone 6 Plus. Do you know how many apps aren't optimized for the 6 Plus still? Yeah. And frankly, are never going to be. Right. It's just, I don't know. We, we can move on from this, but... Yeah, I I mean, that was just a quick aside. You're right. And and because they made their big splash uh, last week in between our shows, they made their big presentation. And uh, it, yeah, for Windows users, I think it's going to be great. I mean, I'm, I'm more positive than you. I'm actually, I think it's it's a necessary move, I think. I think everything they did was the right thing. Ooh. Of course, my dog, Ooh. The, the, yes, she's not pleased. No. You know what might, you know what might make her happy? What's that? Your buddies over at DigitalOcean just announced Love free them. BSD support. Free BSD. Oh. That's right. Free BSD support. So now you can BSD like a mo over at DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com and bring our promo code CODERDIGITAL, all one word, lowercase, to get a $10 credit 
over at DigitalOcean.com. DigitalOcean.com. They're a great, simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up your own cloud server. You can get started in less than a minute. And pricing plans start at only $5 a month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. A terabyte. And you can find out more about their FreeBSD rollout. And this is this is just, their rollout of FreeBSD is exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to DigitalOcean. So smooth, so sweet, and accompanied with a ton of great, like, not just documentation and tutorials, but like, Deep, deep descriptions of how they did FreeBSD, what challenges they encountered, what what about FreeBSD is different from Linux. I mean, fascinating reading just from a geek standpoint. And all of this over at DigitalOcean is wrapped up in their incredible intuitive dashboard. It's so simple but yet extremely powerful. It's better than any tool I've ever seen in my 15 years of working in IT on these kinds of things. It's, it's seriously the best tool I've ever used. And they have a really straightforward API that people love that you can extend the functionality of the dashboard. You can take all of the great functions and automate it, script it, or take advantage of some of the great apps written by the community. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. And the Goages, super Goages. You can find pictures of them online. And check out some of their great tutorials, too. So once you get your server in less than a minute, what are you going to do with it? you got to do something with it. Maybe you want to go deploy GitLab, be a boss, want to try out Ghost. There's tutorials and all kinds of stuff. You Unbelievable amount of tutorials over at DigitalOcean. So, DigitalOcean.com, promo code, Coder Digital, all one word, Coder Digital, gets you a $10 credit. You can try out the $5 rig, two months for free. Go get yourself a rig and do something with it. If you're a little nervous, trust me, it's crazy straightforward. You can even one-click deploy tons of great applications. That'll probably get you taken care of in almost all cases. And the edge cases, there's great tutorials for. And you're really going to feel empowered once you have your own data under your own roof with your own root login using own cloud, BitTorrent, Sync, SyncThing, anything like that. DigitalOcean.com, Coder Digital, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, Mr. Dominic, so do you want to jump into some tips, maybe some saving money tips, stuff like that? Where are we gonna, where do we want to start? Uh, it, you know, it's ironic because the tip up first tip I have is actually a DigitalOcean tip. Oh! Hey, another reason to use uh, Coder Digital. So, all right, so you... People listening to the show will know I'm a pretty big fan of Rails because it, it you know, it is the best web framework you could be using. Um, <laughs> just let that in the air for a few seconds. Okay, and therefore I've also used a lot of Heroku. Yeah. Now Heroku is awesome, right? They have a very generous free tier. Uh, the problem is that it's not you know totally free. You like and this once- taste? Get a taste. <laughs> Get a little taste of Heroku. Yeah, once you get hooked on the, uh, you know, yeah. you know, the, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just pictured like a very like startup looking <laughs> guy in his 40s with a popped collar. You go meet him at like a sleazy data center, and he's trying to sell you some hosting. Yeah, he's got like a Dell Xeon. He's like, hey, <laughs> you know what this is? Uh, wow. Anyway, so we went from a a time. This is just a stupid example, right? You could have a tiny uh, DigitalOcean. Let's call it an instance, but they have these dinos and workers. Not really important. Went up to the lowest paid tier, and we ended up at like fifty something dollars a month minimum with like no usage. And I was like, "Well, that blows," because you know, let's be honest, Chris. In these harsh economic times, that's a lot of money, right? Hey, I especially mean, the reoccurring ones. Yeah, that, that, that's crazy. Yeah. 
And digital, uh, I'm sorry, and Heroku has some weird limitations on what you can and can't do, but mm. that's the point. So I said, all right, well, what can my buddies at DO do? Because let's be honest, inflating that bill is always something I like to do because it's so cheap. It is a che- generally it cheaper. Is cheap. Like uh, we uh, Just a quick aside, uh, we have uh, a DigitalOcean droplet that's running some Ruby scripts to do some stuff in the chat room for us. And, yeah. uh, you know, one thing led to another and it starts doing more work. And guess what? It needs more memory. And uh, it's it's kind of a no brainer for us. This is this isn't part of the ad, but we just you know you just go add more RAM. It's not it's not a huge cost increase. Well, and you can do other things with that box. See, that's the other thing about it, is that that money isn't just for that one specific application. Like I can do yeah. other things with that re- with those resources. Well, the, see, I I'm even just using them for the one application because sure. they're so cheap that yeah. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'll spin up a, a DO instance, whatever. I don't like deployment because deployment is scary and bad. So I got really used to the Git deployment in Heroku. Mm. Like really used to it. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? The easy rollbacks. Yep, 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 absolutely. You know, it would just read your proc file and automatically be like, okay, here's your app. You're running Ruby on Rails. Um, Because I don't know what else you would run on. It's like tinfoil. (laughs) I don't know, some one of those box cars you used to make in the Boy Scouts with like a block of wood and some Vaseline. Is that the, uh, you're talking about the PHP brand box cards? What are you talking about? That- oh, don't even get me started on PHP. Well, uh, the great Arment dropped PHP for part of his app, and just for a part, exciting. for a part, yeah, 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 for a part. But anyway, so there's this project I think we talked about a while ago called Doku. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's awesome, but there's some configuration there, right, Chris? And, and let's be honest, I, I don't know my way around a Unix server at all, do I? I, <laughs> I, I hate Unix. I, you know, I was looking. Where's my start menu? Really, I, I spin up a Do instance, and I'm just desperate for my start menu, or at least the finder. Dude, if you're out. ever trapped in a Jurassic Park, you wouldn't be able to get your way out. Remember, you need to know a I, Unix system to get out of Jurassic Park. Well, I know rmtacr slash sar. It's a Unix system. That's okay. rmtacr's root star. That's all I need, right? Yeah, that that pretty much solves everything. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, I'm on my DO thinking, oh, but then I'd have to install this and, and I don't even know, like set up keys. And I'll, this it is actually just, doesn't know, look that tough to install, to be honest. No, it's not. So <laughs> I think this is I, one line. <laughs> but, but Dio knows I can't do it. Dio's yeah. like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he uses a Mac, right? He's turned right. away from Unix. He's, right. He, right. You know, he was young in college. He did some Unix, but I, that Experimenting was Experimenting like, the time. You know, you hide my heart broken, but that's a story for a different after hour show. <laughs> it has a two click it's not one click unfortunately what is a what two has? click do a Digital two click dopo install oh yeah nice yeah that's even easier isn't it oh so but it gets better Chris. once you have doku going remind the audience so once you have doku going what does it allow you to do so better yet you, you click to now there's two ways you can do this you could just want any server that they offer or if you're lazy you click the under applications the doku slash ubuntu one and it gets you set up, and right there in a nice little GUI, it's like, okay, so how do you want to set this up? What's your SSH key? Paste it in here. Done. Oh, sweet. So awesome. If you want to point a, a domain name, you can set up all the domain name and, and do the uh, you know, do the directory. Because you can have multiple applications on each Doku, or each server, rather, each instance of the, a droplet, right? Yeah. Under droplets. Yeah. Getting all my different vendors. I know. So, yeah. Yeah. Just not too many dinos, ways. Not your. Yeah. Not yeah. my dinos. Wait. Not my. Not my Azure. Not your Azure. shard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, it, it's a droplet on Theo. Um, you could do like I don't know mydroplet.com colon Chris's naked body. Ooh, hello. You do mydroplet.com colon 
Alan's BSD party. I don't know. Right? So you could have two on one. So this is what Chris is waiting for, the magic, right? Yeah. You get it set up. It's like, okay, great. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> and, and that's it for the browser. You go into your, uh, what, do they, what do they call that? Bish? Bish, right? <laughs> uh, I, I believe, Mr. Dominic, the term you're looking for is... PowerShell. Bash. bash. No, Bash. Bash, Mr. Dominic. Sure. Just think of, it's the uh, Jason Born Again shell. That's awesome. I didn't even think of it that way. All right, so so I'm in the Matt Damon shell. Yeah. I'm in my little heroic. And by the way, I'm totally kidding. If anybody's the first time user, I, t- I totally know how to do this shit. I'm just you having fun with the audience and Chris. Yeah. So I'm I'm on my uh, Jason Bourne shell, right in my Rails repo. All I have to do is Git origin or what is it? Git remote add or whatever your remote's going to be. I call the do the Git URL. Git push. Just like you're pushing your GitHub and your mm, GitLab. Mm. And then, Chris, the build process is exactly the same as Heroku. Mm. Done. No configuration, no bullshit. Done. Unless you want to use Postgres, then you have to cry. Well. As is always the case with Postgres. Yeah. That but is even really that, nice. Even that, DigitalOcean has a great post that someone, I guess, wrote and got paid for uh, on how to just quickly SSH in and set if you're... if. It, there is a way, there's a command you can run to automatically set up Postgres, but depending on your app settings, it might not work. But there's just a simple command you run after the fact that can just fix it, basically. So it sounds like what you're pretty excited about is not only do you get some of the functionality that you love uh, without having to pay that high monthly, but it's not a big time investment to get it going. That's a good tip. That's my favorite kind of tip, Mr. Dominic. Well, and it's great because, I mean, I don't even know. What is the cheapest Geo server now? Like 10 bucks a month? No, it's $5. Five, okay, I don't. Is it really? I think so. Right? I, think I think I've just been using the whatever. But yeah, yes. so I totally say it every day. It's five dollars per month. <laughs> five dollars per month. Yeah, it's so cheap. I don't even know. I know it's, that doesn't seem. Yeah, it's funny. We should just send them this whole episode as an ad because so far, although really this isn't. So, I mean, so you could really, insert DigitalOcean and you could you could be anybody else too. But DigitalOcean seems like a great way to go. To be fair, Azure also offers something like this. Oh, but even with Doku, uh, I I don't know if they do Doku. They use something. Well, do they do? We could just look it up. I haven't used Azure for Rails in forever. Computer, what um, happened? So, and they just added a bunch of stuff like last month. Computer, this isn't what I wanted at all. No, they don't. So they have their own. They have their own little like magical Rails deployment stuff that you can do it straight out of GitHub. I don't believe you. Yeah. So I, but for me, here's the reason I like Do, and I swear to God, they're not paying for this. Like the whole Azure thing is great. But what happens if they decide to deprecate something and I'm screwed, mm. right? At least with this Dio setup, Doku, I mean, there's a GitHub page for Doku. I, I, I linked it in the notes. It doesn't matter, right? Because all this is is an Ubuntu server running Doku and right. its dependencies. Right. Which, oh, and by the way, its biggest dependency, Docker. Mm. That's how Doku works. Yeah, and I guess you could even you could even just set this up like if you uh, if you're at a business uh, you could have something like this on your LAN and you wouldn't get the like the two click install process. But the Doku installation doesn't seem like it's too tough, so you could probably work it down just for a local Ubuntu box, even. Right, even you know even if you don't want to use Do and you just want to like install Doku, honestly, you could write a quick Ruby script, or if you really hate yourself, a Python script, oh. or uh, or you could be a man and write a Bash script, oh. just like automate this for you, right? Because it really isn't that big of a deal. But the ability to get, you know, one thing is Heroku is awesome, except it goes from really, really free to really, really expensive very quickly. Yeah. So it's like, ah, uh, how can I get away from this? Yeah. 
Hmm. So that, that was my little tip. That's for that. great. That's yeah. cool. Uh, did you have any other tips you want to share with us, Mr. Tom? Well, you had a tip, a warning of sorts. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know this doesn't apply to a portion of our audience, but uh, Apple is shutting down uh, the old test flight system next month uh, when they're rolling out iTunes integration. They've been testing the uh, uh, iTunes integration for app developers for a little bit. But is this going to bite you at all? Do, are you a test flight user? Uh, uh, I know you hate Microsoft, but I'm actually a hockey app fan. Yeah. Oh, well, Microsoft just recently bought ho- hockey. Yeah. And here's the reason. The... I used to be a big, big classic test flight user when it was iOS and Android. But because I do a lot of cross-platform stuff, mm. getting people to sign up for two deployment services turned out to be a nightmare. Mm, no kidding. So even though hockey is costing like, I think it's like 20 or 30 bucks a month, it is totally worth it. They have one sign up, they're in. Again, hockey is not paying for this. I feel like it's just been a big commercial day. But I, So the big players are test flight... Hockey and Crashalytics, is that what you say well, those are the... Well, it's weird, right? Because TestFlight is now Apple. Yeah. And TestFlight doesn't do Android or anything else anymore. TestFlight just does iOS. Ah. So if you're purely like an iOS consultant or you're just like the iOS developer at your company... The, the, awesome. the ideal uh, developer that Apple fantasizes about? Right, but that's your ideal because you don't have to pay for it, first of all. It's part of your license. Mm, okay, okay. And you don't have to do the crazy code signing stuff for the most part because it, if they use their iTunes... Um, you know, their iTunes email addresses that are, that is, now, to be clear, it has to be the same iTunes account that's on the phone, which has bitten a few people in the ass uh, over the last months. Mm-hmm. It will just do it for you. It'll magically sign it. But if you want to do, let's say, Android as well, or for some strange reason, Windows Phone, you're now going to have to have all your testers and your users sign up for two systems, uh-huh. which sounds simple, and I thought it would be simple. Yeah, no. It was an absolute disaster. Yeah. It was, it was, the worst thing I ever did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know it would be that bad. A, a huge mistake. It, yeah. So I, I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Well, honestly, I was not like, okay, so the history here, right? Apple bought Test Flight, and then like a week later, it was like, oh, all you people using this for Android. Yeah, about that. They do that when they bought Shake. They were like, all you using it on the Windows platform and Linux platform. See ya. Shake was one of the best... Uh, uh, motion graphics programs for Linux, and they just killed it. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, it, the other issue I have with the new test flight integration is that it's not like, hey, give me ten minutes, I'll send you a build. Don't worry about it. The beta builds actually have to be approved. Like, there's some weird auto approval stuff going on there. Uh, and there's a distinction between a private beta build and a public beta build. And the scrutiny on a public beta build is higher than a private. <laughs> But it once again puts me in the position of, yeah, I'll get you that demo. Don't worry. When's it, when's it going to get to me? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me, right? This is like the Apple submitting to the App Store situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's but not for good. But for weekly builds. So I, I just don't like that. Yeah. Well, if, if these issues make you roll your eyes and make you a little queasy, then uh, you have 11 hours left to go over to Indiegogo and fund Builder, the IDE for GNOME. It's uh, it's at 158 percent of its funding with 11 hours left, 47 thousand dollars raised. Who's GNOME? Uh, it's a really great desktop. You should try it out sometime. Uh, I, I heard of GNOME too, but mm. yeah, this isn't as popular, <laughs> so it's not as well known. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Indiegogo now. Yeah, uh, it's not bad. And I had him. Uh, I had the uh, the developer on as a guest of Linux Unplugged. He quit his full time gig to do this. 
And uh, he's been adding some features. It looks really good. It's a good start. You know, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create, he wants an answer when people go, okay, I'm going to develop for Linux. Where do I start? He wants, he wants maybe Builder to be that answer. So you, you obviously start with um, the Darwin kernel. And uh, don't, don't forget you, about, uh, don't forget about yeah, Xcode. You got to have Xcode too. No, right? no, 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 no. Oh. You, you need, you need, it's called app code. Oh, right. Oh. And good new step. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, no one. I'm happy. Oh. I'm happy for him, though. I mean, he raised uh, forty. That'll get him going for a little while. Oh, this looks really cool. I'm I'm watching the video on silent, which I'm sure makes it far less impressive. But yeah, this looks really. Now, will this only do GNOME three, or how, how is this? Yeah, it's work a GTK across? thing. It's a GTK thing. Okay, uh, okay. So, but you would probably be able to write GTK apps for other platforms. Uh, Python. Oh God. <laughs> JavaScript. It's like everything I hate in one IDE. It's got a lot of stuff. It also has Markdown support, which I like that. Version tracking with Git support. And now let's talk about Objective-C. Oh, I don't think so. Uh, One thing that's kind of cool that he's doing is uh, creating, uh, making it easier for developers to use Dbus, because Dbus is a bit of a a squirrely mess for uh, new Mm -hmm. developers coming to Linux. Uh, So they create all the tools you need to create your own uh, Dbus messages or connect to existing Dbus messaging service. Uh, so that's kind of nice. So there's a couple of things they're doing in here. Oh, also to create, you can create GNOME extensions too, which is kind of yeah. neat. I also see that he builds in Glide, which is uh, last time I used it was terrible, but hopefully mm. he makes it better. Mm. This no, I, I, all kidding aside, this actually looks really good. If I was trying to do something in the GNOME world, I'd probably. And when's he looking to release? Well, I think some. I think it's. I think he's working on the code openly, so it's kind of in a sense already out in early stages. And Chris, you know what IDE this looks like, right? Uh, what? It looks like Xcode. Does it? Yeah. To me, it kind of it looks like a Markdown editor to me. No, it looks like Xcode with that with that search bar on the top and like the, the oh, okay. in the color scheme. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, GNOME and and Mac OS have been looking closer and closer together, and I'm just gonna say GNOME got there first. I'm just pointing that out. So I don't know. I don't know. What you're seeing is what a GNOME app looks like. <laughs> okay, but I can't go to Best Buy and buy a GNOME box. Although I can't go to, I can't oh, I go to my Best Buy and buy a Mac either. I, I so see. Kinda, mm. yeah. Well, Mr. Dominic, is there anything else we wanted to cover today? No, I, you know, I think next week we should do a V Basic PowerShell episode for Ooh. the audience. But... Ooh. Uh, I could have my grandpa come in and, oh, no. Oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know what? We'd love to get your feedback. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact. Choose Coda Radio from the drop down and send us in your thoughts. Also, CodaRadio.reddit.com. That's the subreddit. Stories, discussion pieces, community interaction, your votes, your comments, all very appreciated. CodaRadio.reddit.com. And don't forget, we do this show live Mondays, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that in your local time zone. Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you'd like to send folks throughout the week? Let's just send them to DominicM.com. I can do that. All right. Go to Dominic.m, everybody. DominicM.com, everybody. Do it. Also, go check out Fingertip Tech. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. See you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.